must not lose faith in humanity. Humanity is an ocean. If a few drops of the ocean are dirty, the ocean does not become dirty. Mahatma Gandhi. The Walking Dead, Season 3, Episode 9. The Suicide King. What is up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feed Only Your Brain. I'm Zachary Ballard, and with me today is is Quentin Moore. Quentin Moore or Q? I, like I, I call him Quentin. Uh, a lot of his friends that I've met call him Q. You can call me Q Diddy. Q, Q Diddy. Daddy. The Don. Don't Q. call him Q Daddy. Q Maximus. <laughs> uh, Quintus Cincinnaticus, which was a real dude, by the way. Look it up. Which is actually interesting because it does relate to uh, Walking Dead, but that's not till much later. Okay, so don't worry okay, about okay. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so. Um, how'd you, how'd you like the episode, Quentin? So, I've always liked The Walking Dead specifically just mm-hmm. because it's it's a fancy way to get people to engage with politics without thinking of it as politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, you throw in zombies, but, I mean, the whole idea between, but for most zombie fiction, is that at the end of the day, it's that humans are the real monsters. Yeah, yeah. And, but it asks us to analyze, you know, like, what's a society built on? You know, when you're put in an extreme survival situation and you've got a group of survivors, that is a microcosm of, you know, modern day, what an overall larger government or system looks like. It's mm-hmm. just scaled down, giving us the ability to uh, see, see how much, you know, personal emotions and relationships come into play when it comes to governing a society <laughs> yeah yeah and i i like that a lot like if you if you guys don't know this about quentin quentin is like and my best friends in high school uh he was my best man at my wedding and he has been like the one that has like constantly made me think like critically think about everything so uh yeah so quentin it's no surprise that you got the like you said that profound <laughs> <thing. laughs> professionals devil advocate what could i uh-huh. say uh-huh but um so throughout the episode i saw a lot of like correlation between like the world that they used to live in, like, people were talking about, like, how the world has changed, and, and also, like, how, how different people are now, and my question to you is, do you think, do you think people's core really changes, or do you think people just become who they really are without the societal bounds of, of the law? Because, like, the thing is, is, like, I, I do think that the world can change you, but I think to a certain extent, it just allows people to be who they are more. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a choice. Mm. I think that in any instance of change, any place where circumstances are going to differ and Mm -hmm. you have to change your behavior, you have a choice. Mm -hmm. You can either let circumstances dictate how you change or you can choose to change, giving you the power Mm -hmm. to dictate your circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that the biggest example of that is the governor. Yeah, for sure. The governor is a man stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. He's, the whole um, concept of Woodbury is that it's, it's, like, they get there, and it's like, this is almost like the old time, right? They've got suburban mm-hmm. neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They've got people going around saying, hello, neighbor, and whatnot, mm-hmm. and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's, yeah. it is meant to be a recreation of, like, good old normal suburban mm-hmm. life. Um, but the governor, they, they double down on that theme with the governor even more, of course, with his zombie daughter. He is looking at this, you know, zombified little girl, and he himself cannot let go of it being his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of the point in the show, like there's no reason to believe that she's ever going to get fixed, and she doesn't. Um, yeah. And so that in and of itself shows that he is desperately trying to control the circumstances. Yeah. He is trying to halt the reality of how the world has changed and cut out a little niche of his own 
past world that mm -hmm. he likes, but it's obviously not a stable arrangement. Yeah, and like he, so he's so like before he's so stuck in this old world and like wanting to like keep it together, and then once he realizes that that world is frail and fragile, he like loses it. Like that that part at the beginning when they like the group, the main group comes in swinging to save Daryl. Like you just sort of see him change. You sort of see him shift where he's like, okay. I'm done trying to like be like the this 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 old world is still existent. I'm I need a I need a change with this world. And that's that's sort of when I see him like change and become the monster he is mm. or that he always was, but he just allowed it to be free. So, in that instance, I think that he was a victim of his circumstances. Mm -hmm. He tried to artificially create circumstances around himself that was never going to last mm -hmm. and then it fell apart and so he fell apart in turn with it and he decided to dive forward into the well if everything's you know if everyone's turning into monsters i'm also going to be a monster yeah whether that was how he actually was or not mm -hmm. i i don't think so i don't mm -hmm. think that i know there's a, a pervasive belief that you know everyone's just one bad day from just being an awful person mm. and i don't think that it's the fact that society works how it is right now that allows us all to not be those people, I think that it's a change. I think that when circumstances get harsher and rougher, we have a tendency to change to match our circumstances. I think it's a survival tactic and not, nothing that speaks to some inner degeneracy inside of human beings in general. So, so in the episode before, um, no, two episodes before, uh, the governor... Um, like, basically, it wasn't, like, attempting to rape Maggie, but he basically, like, sexually assaulted her and, like, and did that. So do you think, like, that was in him before, or do you think he changed with that world so that he could, like, do that? I think that was in him before, because mm -hmm. the, the problem with his, his, uh, fake, you know, little suburban mm -hmm. high life is that... It's also a testament to his own ego. Mm. I mean, the dude mm. goes around calling himself the governor, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Like, which I mean, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's he's obviously. If I had the opportunity to go around calling myself the governor, I'd go. Around I mean, and... I did give five names for myself <laughs> starting this podcast, so I guess I can't um, say too much. But uh -huh. no, he's obviously it's it's an ego project. Yeah, it's not just I wanted to create a place where people could be safe. Yeah. There's very much his own ego put into it, and in naming yourself the governor, he is, of course, naming himself the, the power, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm in charge here. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's always been a part of, you know, just human history that people in positions of power like to uh, exercise that power mm -hmm. on those beneath them. Yeah. You know, same thing as, like... Harvey Weinstein or something yeah. like that, where it's like, obviously you're providing or you're in the belief that you are providing for, you know, this community of people and so that you should be able to extract what you want from it. Yeah. I think that, I don't think that that's something, I think that was more a part of him before, but only because that type of behavior was acceptable in the system that he's emulating with mm. his community. Mm -hmm. So it, even that, even though it's a darker thing to think about, is still reminiscent of, you know, the past. Mm. Okay, because like, because it it's just sort of like I think I think everyone has good sides and bad sides within them, and I think you're right that it is like a choice on like whether or not we go more with the good and go more with the bad, and we sort of see we sort of see that shift in like Rick throughout the whole series of like him delving into good and like delving into bad and like him deciding 
over and over again to do good, no matter the shit <sighs> that he's gone through. Um, yeah, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Daryl and Merle's loyalty to each other uh, against their like own groups. Because I thought that was interesting that, and I talked about this a little bit before in last episode, but like how blood to them is more important than like than like relationships that they built with people that aren't their family. And um, but I also think it's like Daryl is Daryl is in a cycle of abuse with Merle because Merle like and Carol even mentions it that like abusers have this sort of hold on their abusees where they can like. They can, like, manipulate and make you feel like you deserve the abuse. And, and yeah, like, what are your thoughts on, on Daryl leaving the group and, and, like, that blood loyalty and stuff? So it's it's interesting, and I think it's just a testament to... Because these were always two of my favorite characters in yeah. the show. Mm-hmm. Daryl, in my opinion, going back to what I was saying about the governor, how the governor is... He was a victim to his circumstances. He tried to control his circumstances. He didn't try to control himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Daryl is... And Rick both are the alternatives to that, especially when you bring in, like, Daryl's code of both Daryl and Rick are in the process of accepting that their circumstances have changed. Mm -hmm. There's no desire to try to go backwards. They know they can't go backwards, so they have to go forwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And going forwards means turning themselves into people that can live in this new environment, which Daryl always excelled at. Yeah. However, with the with the thing of Merle, I will say I've never necessarily thought about their relationship as being abusive. Merle is certainly a dick, uh, <laughs> but it's it's I, I can see where you're coming from in saying that they've got a kind of toxic relationship because yeah, blood is super important to them. But Merle has proven himself a very interesting character. He he comes across as very self serving, mm-hmm. but I myself have never actually thought of himself as like a full on bad guy. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because he's racist, <laughs> um, but he's he he seems to be deeper than that. I don't think that if if he is in a cycle of abuse with Daryl, I think they're both unaware of it. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think they were raised in a circumstance where they were like they like they were raised really poor. Like you learn later on about Daryl's dad and like how he treated both of them. Yeah, and so they're sort of like from this world where they bonded with that trauma together, you know? Yeah. And Daryl finds that important. Yeah, and, and I think that it does... I feel like it's it's a fallback. Mm-hmm. It's a fallback tactic for both of them. Because when things do change, when life gets more difficult, a lot of the time everyone's first instinct is to fall back on, on the reliable things, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. You could, be, you could be a grown adult and have a bad day and feel like you want to go call your mom, mm-hmm. right? And... That's because, you know, your parents have always been a source of comfort for you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like Daryl and Merle have a similar setup where, you know, especially in the situation that they were in where they were put in, like, you got to kill each other and everything. Yeah. I feel like that only heightened emotions where they realize that, like, hey, we know, like, you and I, we've been together through some horrible shit <sighs> before. Mm-hmm. And we're going through some horrible <sighs> shit now. And we got through before because we were together. Mm-hmm. So we can get through this again now if we're mm-hmm. together. Because a part of me does seem hesitant to think that Daryl would be unaware of, like, if he was, if there was an abuse cycle, Daryl doesn't seem like the character who'd put up with it. Yeah. And so I feel like it's more of a trauma bond situation. Not mm-hmm. necessarily a healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 
um, maybe not an abusive one in the sense that one is the abuser and one is the abusee, but maybe more in the fact that they were both abuse victims and they have found comfort in each other before, and so they defaulted on that when the world was put against them. Yeah, and they're defaulting on, like, the old world, and, like, because, like, they, they always, like, had each other's backs, you know? Um, in the old world, and now, like, it, like now that Daryl has gone through so much with this group, Merle's gone through so much with this other group, like, that doesn't matter anymore because they have, like, a deeper history with each other. Yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to talk about Jerry the Survivalist. Okay. Uh, the, so, Tyrese mentions that his group was, like, with this bigger group where Jerry, in the old world, like, had this, like, bunker underground, had, like, stockpiles of food, and, like, everyone thought he was crazy, and then Herschel was like, who knew? And he, and then Tyrese was like, Jerry knew. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. Because we all, like, I have an uncle that, that does that. Like, he, like, stockpiles food. He, he has, like, a bunker. He's, like, ready for the end of the world. And I know other people like that. And, like, everyone, like, tells them crazy, calls them, like, crazy. And I'm like, but what if it happens? <laughs> you know, that you're not going to call them crazy anymore, you know? I just thought that was interesting. I, so one, it's funny because I also think of from the newest season of Rick and Morty when uh, they go back to... I don't know if you've seen the new season. First, um, it's like the second episode or first episode. The, which, which I've seen up to five. Of the of the the of season five, season five. I think it's season six then. Okay. But basically, um, Morty goes back to his original world where everybody got turned into, into uh, Cronenbergs. Yeah, 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 Cronenbergs, and they find out that Jerry's still alive. Uh -huh. Jerry has survived it in despite everything. Everyone else died, but Jerry <laughs> survived. And so I just it's kind of funny that I was thinking of that, but. Um, I actually have an interesting relationship with the concept of the end of the world. Uh -huh. Um, when I was younger and I saw that, like, people were, like, stocking up on this, this, and that for the end of the world, I was like, that's kind of dumb. Okay. But as I've gotten older, and maybe this is more just a facet of my own personality, but I often find myself in situations where I'm like, it's good to be prepared for things. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it, it starts out with like small things. Like I, I meal prep my food. Um, and so there, and there are times where I'm like, Oh, if I don't meal prep my food, what am I going to eat? And I like ensure I have a little snack or something. Mm -hmm. And when those situations come out, it's like, uh, I get to pull out the food and I feel kind of cool. Or I remember I was on uh, a sort of date, I guess. And the person I was with was like, wow, I wish they had like toothpicks. And I always keep little, yeah, you know, yeah, floss yeah. sticks on me. And so I was like, here you go. Uh -huh. And I keep two on me for that exact purpose. Um, and so in situations like that, it is good to be prepared. Um, however, the sentiment that we're in the end days now is something that has been in every era of human <laughs> I history. Know. I saw a TikTok recently where this guy was basically saying like, oh, we're changing from gold standard to coins. It must be the end times. And it keeps going. And it's like, oh, we changed from cash to card. It must be the end times. Uh, yeah, no. And that's that's and that's and the thing is, is you in the Bible, you got people saying yes, like, yes. the end Everyone, times. Like every generation is the end times. And and it still hasn't ended. Yeah. We're still here. I think I think it comes from a combination of... of Fear and ego. Yeah. Because, you know, like, imagine if you're right. You probably sure. feel pretty validated. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, ultimately, it's 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 interesting because, I'll tell you what, if I had the disposable income to have a bunker filled with a few years worth of food and mm -hmm. supplies, I'd have a bunker. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. it's, it's something that, like... If I had the ability to pull that off yeah. right now, I would. It's just, it's be massively inconvenient and... 
it's it's an investment, right? Yeah, You're sure. investing in the end of the world that if things go to crap, you'll be good to go. Yeah. But there's a lot of situations, and perhaps this is my uh, soft Gen Z slash millennial uh, temperament speaking, but mm-hmm. there are certain end of world scenarios that I wouldn't want to survive. Yeah, yeah like but, Last of Us. Right, yeah, but, Last of like, I mention this every episode, basically. <laughs> but like, Last of Us, I'm killing myself. Like, yeah, present, <laughs> Walking Dead zombies, you know what, I'll give it a go. I'll, 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 I'll give, give it, it a go. go. <laughs> I'll give it a go. If I get bit, then kill me. Yeah, but, like, but if I walk into a dark building and I hear that, <laughs> bro, uh, no, bro, I'm, I'm out of here. Get me out of that. <laughs> um, and so there are certain situations where it's like, uh, you know, and, and I guess, but at the end of the day, you also have to say that, like, eventually someone is going to be right. Mm-hmm. It's just, what does end of the world mean? Exactly. Well, like, and there's doomsdays everywhere. Like, I grew up in the Mormon church, and um, I was raised, like, to believe that I was the chosen generation that, like, would would be there uh, would be like the generation for the second coming of Jesus Christ for mm-hmm. the end of the world, right? And then, like in, into adulthood, like they they sort of they sort of forget about you, and then they tell the teenagers and mm-hmm. and now that they're the chosen generation. I'm like, what the? Fuck? I thought I was <sighs> yeah, the chosen. exactly. And like, and it keeps going. And like, I found out that like back when they start, back when the church started, like they were telling like people back then that they're the chosen generation that they would see the second coming and so it's like it's like the cycle of like who's right and like we also see like doomsdayers in other religions doomsdayers that are like atheists that like the because the the planet is heating up there's no dispute on that but like people like there's some people that are like the world's gonna end in 10 years because the planet's heating up and every time every time someone's like a doomsday i just like check out i'm like you don't know like you don't know if the world is gonna end like, the water is rising, the planet is heating up, but, like, w- we have remained persistent, and I think we will continue to remain persistent, um, even if we ah! the planet. And, yeah, and I think there's something to be said, because here's, here, let's go real dark and then throw in a little hope at the end okay. there. <laughs> With the whole idea of an end of the world scenario, yeah. is, when I think end of the world, I think the collapse of modern civilization. I think, you know, things that we rely on, internet, electricity, mm-hmm. gas cell telecommunication things like that yeah all of those going away now those things going away doesn't mean the end of the human race mm-hmm. it just means the end of modern living mm-hmm. and it's going to suck for anybody who got to experience how nice it is to be able to DoorDash a burger yeah and then having to go out and like raise chickens and eat deer deer does not taste good um and so in that case it's like they're, the end of the world scenarios is, is, is it the end of our civilization or the end of us as a species? Because mm-hmm. the end of us as a species would take a far more dramatic yeah. event. Um, and as far as the end of the world thing goes right now, you know, people saying doomsdays. Because real quick, just to comment on your Mormon thing, my a lot of my family's in the Catholic Church. And I have an uncle who's constantly like, you better repent, the hellfire, <laughs> Jesus yeah, coming yeah, back, yeah, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And he always does it, and he's been doing it his entire life, and it's kind of like, okay, like, yeah, whatever you <laughs> yeah, say, yeah, uncle. Yeah. Um, but you look at the world right now, and in at least from where I'm sitting, there has been a pervasive atmosphere of despair mm-hmm. between you know people our age and younger. There's not a lot of hope for the future. Yeah. There's not a lot of belief that things are going to get better from here on out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all compounded by things happening in the world, you know. Specifically, you look at the Ukraine situation mm-hmm. and the fact that Russia has straight up threatened nuclear use 
against Ukraine, and there's no way that if they do that, there's not going to be some type of global response from that. Yeah. Hell, uh, I believe, I, okay, I'll, I'll say this right now, I don't know the validity of this information, but from what I was came to understand that Russia has, like, a specific uh, nuclear submarine that they have, like, six nukes on, and the U.S. government keeps tabs on it at all times, mm. and it's not in its port, and so when you hear things like that, you think like, oh, are we going the fallout route? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and those, by the way, one of those apocalypse, I have no interest in surviving. No, 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 no. And fallout. Yeah, I gotta go. No, if if there if there Here are comes the sun. I'm yeah, the no, sun. if the nukes are coming from the sky, man, <laughs> I'm gonna get me a nice chair. I'm gonna get me a mimosa, and I'm gonna watch the sun fall from the sky and be instantly obliterated. Yeah. That's the best case scenario. Well, Utah, Utah is like top five. Yeah, Hill Air Force Base. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh-huh. but but this isn't the first time that this has been the case. Yeah, you look back, of course, at the Cold War and similar situation except it wasn't between russia and ukraine it was between russia and us and we were constantly threatened to to absolutely nuke each other Mm -hmm. into the ground uh yet here we are yeah and i read something i can't remember the exact number but there were several instances in the cold war era that there were false alarms. Mm-hmm. I remember one story about... Well, um, the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. It's a huge one. Well, even, even not even just the Cuban Missile Crisis, but there was a meteor that just entered the atmosphere mm-hmm. and burned up and exploded, but it sent off our detection system. Yeah. And, you know, how do you tell the difference between a just random space rock and a nuclear missile? Yeah. And so there were multiple instances on both sides where they had reason to believe that, oh, they've kicked off the apocalypse. This is the end times. We're doing this. Every single time that happened, they didn't fire back Mm -hmm. because they assumed it was a mistake. Every single time. Here's the thing. Like, these governments can swing their dicks all they want about, I'm going to nuke you, I'm going to nuke you. But in the back of their head, they're like, if this happens... We're all dead. Yeah, it's it, we're it's all dead. Mutually assured destruction. There is no winner. Yeah, and not only is that should be enough of a deterrent, but more than that, I do like to believe that there is something in the human spirit that in those instances where those people thought like, yeah, we're getting nuked, mm-hmm. but they didn't decide to fire off their nukes in return, is that there was there was a part of them that really understood that this wasn't the way to go. Mm-hmm. That threatening each other with mass destruction is not the highest calling we can reach. Yeah. Um, and so, I have faith, and that's all I can have, mm-hmm. that, you know, we've gone through eight different apocalypses in the last ten years, it feels like. Yeah. And each time people were, it's the end of the world! Like, don't get me wrong, COVID sucked. We all had to stay inside and yeah. be alone with our thoughts. Um, <laughs> but... We, here we are, you know, we're sitting yeah. in a room having a podcast and talking about things and still watching our TV shows and, yeah. you know, and there's recessions and housing crises and a lot of shit that feels like it's going bad, but in the words of, uh, uh, oh, what's his name, from Jurassic Park, Chaos Theory, Jeff Goldblum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, life finds a way, mm-hmm. and so I think that Jerry... The survivalist. <laughs> he knew when he found a way. His life finding Well, we don't way. see Jerry anymore. Well, <laughs> he, he got got. Yeah, he got got. But <laughs> the idea behind Jerry, what Jerry represents, <laughs> right, is the indomitable human spirit. Uh-huh. Because the, the fact that there are survivalists today means that there are people who are 
at least reasonably convinced that they will see the collapse of everything they have ever known. Because mm-hmm. everyone alive right now has got to live in an era of unparalleled luxury in the grand scope of human history. Mm-hmm. Internet, uh, food, TV, air travel. I've walked on, you know, multiple different continents. None of my ancestors... Well, no, actually... <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, to enjoy being on multiple um, continents. For the listeners that can't see Quentin right now, uh, I'm black. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, I mean, I got on a, I got on a plane and I flew to Europe and I've been to Paris and Germany and all those things and those were things that, you know, it just wasn't possible. Mm. And imagine losing every single, you know, luxury that you get to enjoy from day to day, mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of people that might look at that and say, like, ah, man, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore if that's the case. Um, But the fact that there are people who are willing to say, yeah, things might get horrible. Mm -hmm. Like, there are people who, even with the nuclear war thing, they'll think, like, nuclear winter, ash, radioactivity in the sky, invisible death beams that will dissolve your organs. And they are looking at that and they're saying, I'm going to make it through. Yeah. And in that sense, I think there's something very noble about that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I want to keep talking about the governor a little bit, but in terms of how he was, he was like done with his people, didn't want anything to do with them. He even was like, let them go. Um, and he, he even mentioned, he's like picnics and parties. And, uh, that's all these people like, no. And in my head, I'm like, you, you did that though. Like you made them weak. You made them soft so you could live in this fantasy. And then he, he even, like, said, you can let them go, but his men were keeping them inside the gates. And I, I was, like, I was thinking about that, and I was, like, the governor has, like, controlled this group of people so much, and especially his men, that, like, his men are not willing to, like, let this go, are not willing to, like, have these people leave, um, even though the governor is okay with it, uh, which I thought, well, with which I thought was, like, fascinating. What are your thoughts on that? I think that it was a power play mm-hmm. on the governor's side, because... I will, at least in my opinion, one of the easiest ways to gain the support of a group, not even support, control mm-hmm. over a group, is to promise to take away all of their problems. Yep. And yep. you, and that's because it's an easy sell. You get to look at someone and say, hey, all of the things you're worried about, you don't have to be worried about anymore because I'm going to take care of it. Yep. And so, as I said, in providing that you know little bubble of the past, picnics and parties, mm-hmm. There's a there's a sense of like, look at this. I'm gonna make all of the zombies and death and destruction just go away mm-hmm. as long as you're in these walls. Mm-hmm. But while you're in these walls, this is my world. Mm-hmm. You're just living in it. Yeah. And well, that's how that's basically the basis of how every cult gets started. That's the go- basis of, of how every uh, group of human beings at all gets started. <laughs> Governments, cults, religions, <laughs> yeah. all of it. Because it, it's 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 comforting, right? Mm-hmm. I think that. Um, there is a part of us that no matter how old we get or accomplished, there's something very intense about the experience of childhood and Mm -hmm. having parents that, you know, are going to take care of you. Yeah. And I feel like as we grow up, we're always still kind of hoping that there's someone or something out there that's going to take care of us. It could be a God that's always watching out for you. Always. It's all a part of a plan. Mm -hmm. Everything that happens to you is all for a reason. Like there's a purpose behind it. Or it could be a government. It can mm-hmm. be a politician saying, hey, I'm going to make the gas prices go down. I'm going to bring communities back together, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
people have always been able to gain power by promising to not solve people's problems, but ensure that the people who are having the problems don't have to think about those problems yeah. anymore. Yeah. And, however, uh, those problems still exist. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody has to deal with them. And the problem with it is is that they don't always, those the problems aren't always able to be dealt with in, like, a nice way. Mm -hmm. um, there's a certain point where if you want to get something done, you got to get your hands dirty. Say you're just, you're hungry, you're, you're say you're ye old human being, you can't go to a supermarket, um, your family's hungry... You gotta go out. You gotta go out into the forest mm -hmm. with lions and tigers and bears and hope that you get something before something gets you. Mm -hmm. But you don't tell your family that. Yeah. You say, "Hey, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go get us some deer, even though deer sucks." If there's anything Man, I disagree anyone with takes you. from deer is fine. It's not. Deer is fine. Not. Anyways. <laughs> but no, and so the governor, even though he stands at the top of his world, he knows that. In order to keep order, to keep things uh, under control, he has to be in control of the variables. And people from the outside or people on the inside causing discourse, those are not variables that can coexist with his little imaginary land. But why do you think he's he says that they can go when his men are keeping them there? Because he wants to be seen as a kind, benevolent mm -hmm. ruler. Yeah. Right? It's the noble thing to do. Yeah. You don't want to be here? Okay. Okay, that's fine. You can go. Mm -hmm. because all of the people watching you will hear you go, oh, look at that. Like, because it makes them feel like yeah. if we ever really wanted to leave, we could leave. Yeah. But that's not true. Yeah. It's not true because he needs them to be there to do something <sighs> for him. And he knows that if letting people go out, there are other groups that those people might leave and come back yeah. with a whole bunch of other groups to do to threaten his place. Mm -hmm. And so it's a pretty lie told not for himself or not for the, not for um, Daryl or Merle, or anyone really, mm -hmm. it's for the audience. Yeah, it's a it's a performance. You can go mm -hmm. if you really want to go. No one's forcing you to stay here. You can go mm -hmm. because as long as you never actually try, you get the comfort of the belief that you can. Oh man, I hate that. That's so true, though. I feel like that's honestly true with a whole lot of things. Yeah, um, the illusion of freedom, as long as no one ever actually tries to test their freedom. Yeah, well, it's like. Um, like so many, I don't, I don't even, I can't even like, I just think about like the world we live in now and like the freedoms that we, that we say we have, but like, we really don't have, um, those freedoms essentially. I'm trying to think of examples, but I'm, I'm falling short here. Well, I can think of a few just right off the bat. Okay. Cause I'll tell you one thing. I, maybe I am a little bit of a survivalist, but uh -huh. I'll tell you what, with, um, so I'm very particular about my diet and the food that I eat and grocery stores have been getting really expensive recently. Um, and so I've started to look at alternative options of like, mm -hmm. well, well, what can I do? Right. And a lot of people think, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, gardens. Like what if we had a little garden, you mm -hmm. know, in our backyard, take care of little fruits and vegetables. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't have to go to a store to buy. Yeah. Well, you got to have certain zoning and law stuff in order for you to be able to grow a garden in your own backyard. Yeah. Like even if you own the property, if you live, for instance, if they're, you're part of an HOA, they might have rules of like, oh, you can't have that here. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry. I, I was under the understanding that I own this <laughs> land. Yeah. And that's if you're lucky enough to own land, yeah, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Well, like it's even like, I, I thought of one, like it's even harder to buy a house. Like it's so hard to like own land. Like, we don't own land, yeah. you know, like we rent land that other people own and like, it's, 
and but we we are under the guise of this this freedom that we could could own land exactly right and, when know, houses so cost <laughs> and everything exactly everything you own like i just watched the watcher uh on netflix i don't know if you've seen it but like they empty out all of their savings so that they could like take out they didn't even buy the whole house they just like emptied out all their savings so they could get a big loan so that they could like afford the house yeah you know and it's and it, and that's the thing is is i this will get dramatic but i would argue the american dream is an example of that of the freedom that you can theoretically have but not actually yeah at least not anymore um it's 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 how it's set up is is as long as people believe that they have a choice makes it a lot easier for them to not try right yeah. because everybody here's the thing and this is true because in life we do have a lot of choices it's not that like we're absolutely restricted yeah. in a modern day society you know even in america with the you know politics or whatever we deal with there is still a lot of choices that we do truly have power over mm-hmm. um one thing and this is just because it's so close to my personal life um so i'm a personal trainer and work in fitness and everything is everyone has the choice to get up and go exercise yeah um, unless you have some type of disability or something mm-hmm. preventing you, the grand majority of people have the ability to get up and get in shape. Mm-hmm. Um, there is not actually a whole lot of things, obstacles that will outright say, no, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, however, a lot of people don't. Yeah. And, but the, the fact that you can makes you feel a little bit better. And it's so pervasive, this belief, that you can turn it into a whole business model. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is some in, in their detail on the fitness industry. But um, So Planet Fitness is the purple and yellow gym. And it's <laughs> infamous for being hated by the gym community. Uh-huh. Uh, the reason for it being is because the uh, Planet Fitness has created its marketing based on the idea of being a non-intimidating gym. Mm. where they and so a lot they have a lot of rules that are supposed to discourage certain types of behavior that they're saying is like intimidating um if you you can't wear cut off shirts so if you've got big arms big muscly arms you got to cover them up um you can't have water bottles you can't have got a uh, gallon size water bottles you have to have like normal two liter or less size water bottles um yeah that see, makes no sense exactly like, well here's the is thing it like psycho psychologically intimidating for people well i'm gonna tell you because it's all a trick <laughs> okay um and the biggest thing of course being is they have something called a lunk alarm where being if you make too much noise if you grunt or if you drop weight a big alarm goes out through the entire gym what yeah that's supposed to shame you right and so so have they ever deadlifted <laughs> 300 pounds well, that's the thing this is this is the thing is, is you have to make noise once i tell you why why they do this, it'll make a whole lot more okay, sense. Okay, okay. Um, so, obviously, they say, and they also, they give you pizza every Friday, which is one of the most counterproductive <laughs> yeah, 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 things yeah, yeah. I've ever seen. You can see why the gym community is, craps on it all the time. Yeah. We all make fun of it. Um, and it's 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 kind of weird, because it's like, well, who's going to go there, right? And how is it uh, such a big business model if the, the demographic that it seems like they should be marketing to, they're actually declaring war against, right? Mm-hmm. If you go to the gym, if you lift weights, if you like, you know, being hydrated and, and making noise while yeah. you lift, don't come here, right? But the people who are going to come and use your gym the most are people who do those things, right? Yeah. Well, here's the secret. Gyms make a lot of their money based on how many people don't use them. Because mm-hmm. if people are coming in and using your equipment, you have to pay for the equipment, 
You have to pay for it to be maintained. You have to pay for employees to be there to clean and maintain the equipment and let people in. Yeah. And the more people use the equipment, the more it breaks down. Exactly. So, instead, a lot of gyms, and a lot of gyms run off of subscription services, right? You pay it monthly um, yeah. or yearly or something along those lines. Uh, you don't, you pay that subscription regardless of whether you come to use the gym or not. Yeah. So the gym makes the most money by having less people actually come to the gym, but more people sign up. So think of who they're actually marketing to. People who aren't confident in the gym. People who are nervous and unsure about the gym. That people that saw the marketing of saying non-intimidating, non-judgmental, and decided that they wanted to go to that gym. The same people who are probably not going to show up every day. The people who are going to come so in. Smart. They're going to, they're going to, New Year's is going to come around. They're going to be like, oh yeah, I want, I'm going to get in shape this year. I'm going to gym oh, membership. that's so good. Yeah, where should I start, <laughs> that's right? so smart. Planet Fitness comes along and says, hey, we're non you're not going to have any big giant burly steroid dudes walking around making you feel bad. I keep looking at this Pikachu over here. You're not going to have that um, to, to intimidate you. Also this Charmander. Yeah. So if you guys don't know, I have a Pikachu, I have a really buff Pikachu and Charmander uh, figurines. Yeah. To motivate me, I guess. <laughs> you mean they don't intimidate you? No. <laughs> um, I think they're sick. Exactly, right? So the front of the year comes along. Come sign up for a gym membership. We'll even give you a deal, right? Mm -hmm. Bunch of people come in. They sign up for the membership. And I've been, I've worked in uh, gyms for the last few years. And I can tell you, we always get a surge at the start of the year. People coming to do New Year's resolutions, yep. trying to start the new year off better. Yep. And within three weeks, all of those people stop showing up. Yeah. And But not all of those people remember to cancel their memberships. And so yeah. in that case, you just have a big building. You put in some equipment. They actually, even the equipment they choose, they don't usually have, like, the full-on, uh, they don't have, like, squat platforms or um, things for, like, big barbell lifts. Because those are the lifts that a lot of people that come to the gym build their workouts around. They have a lot of machines, which yeah. are kind of restrictive. Um, and make for people doing really funny videos of bad workouts on them <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, internet. Yeah. And every and you'll have maybe a few people come in and actually use it, but the grand majority, I would be willing to bet that if you pulled up most Planet Fitness's business plans and you saw how many memberships they have versus how many people they actually have come in on a regular basis, you would find that the vast majority of their money is coming from people who don't even use the gym. Damn. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. It's kind of <sighs> diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, like... I mean, I, I just think it's so true of, like, the the illusion. Well, like, I mean, we we have these choices, but I feel like our mind is, is such a huge obstacle. Oh, most and, definitely. And people, people in power use that obstacle so that they can, like, control people. Oh, definitely. Like, because, I mean, in, I mean... In terms of, like, I'm going to an extreme here. In terms of, like, starting a revolution. Like, the people could start a revolution against the governor. But the governor has instilled in their mind, you're safe with me. Exactly. You're safe with me, and I'm going to take care of you. And, I mean, if you go out there, you're going to die. Most definitely, you know? And, like, and that's the opposite with Rick's group, where Rick is, like, like Rick is kicking people out. Yeah, he's he, like, he, he, hey wants man, to, fuck he wants to actually take care of his people. You know, he doesn't care about being the guy. He doesn't care about being the leader. But like, but like in any revolution that's started, any like coup, any um, union that's going to get started, they have this jargon. The people in power have this jargon where they say things are going to get a lot worse for you. Even though, even though if they persisted with the revolution, 
eventually things were going to get better. Like, and, and that, that, that's part of revolting is, like, things get bad, but you're fighting for a better future. A better future. And that is the problem, because it that, that it, you're exactly right, is when people say it's... when. Anybody in positions of power say, if you do this, things are going to get worse. Mm-hmm. They don't even have to lie to you because they're probably right. Yeah. If, if a guy in the governor's uh, little suburbs decided, ah, I don't like the rules here. I'm leaving. I'm going to go huff it on my own. The governor can sit down with that guy and be like, hey, man, you're probably going to get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> and he might. And, and he might. Like, he's not lying to that guy. Yeah. But what the governor isn't telling him is, you will be free from my rule if you do so. Yeah. And so it's not about lying, it's about selectively telling the truth. Yes. Well, like, the I'm, I'm going back to religion, like, I remember, um, I remember being told, like, if you leave, Satan's gonna have power over you and you'll feel like, <laughs> right? You'll feel, you'll feel, you won't feel as good, you won't feel as happy, like, the true happiness is right here in this church. And then, and then, like, but, like, when I, when I started having a faith transition and, like, a faith crisis, I felt awful yeah and it wasn't because satan was attacking me it was because everything i knew fell apart everything i believed in fell apart and so they weren't lying to me they weren't lying and saying like like and i wasn't happy at the time but i eventually found that i'm happier now than i was when i believed in it because i because i went through the hard stuff of of going through that revolting that um that i was able to become myself again that i wasn't a part of this institution or this religion that made me like them you know but like i had to go through bullshit <sighs> and like pain and suffering in order to do that exactly to come out the other end and i think taking it back to what i was saying before with the idea of everybody wants a parent you know mm-hmm. some powerful entity that can take care of everything for them yeah that's what a child wants from a parent mm-hmm. but what a parent wants from a child is for that child to be able to be strong enough that they won't need them anymore yeah a good parent a good parent yeah and so and i mean that you know you can even look at that with um uh rick's relationship with carl like his actual carl, son carl pays the bills now. yeah exactly <laughs> carl, carl, carl pays has the 401k <laughs> uh, carl did not have a great childhood but yeah. carl carl can defend for himself yeah, now yeah, yeah. um and so it, it, that's that's one of those things that it comes down to is, is that hardship, <laughs> is that pain and suffering can be worth it, yeah. but you have to believe that it's worth it. Yeah. Because same, taking it back to the gym thing, just because it's, you know, the most relevant to me yeah. is I did not like it at first. There are, no. some, there are some people who they go in and they're just, man, I love exercise and it makes me feel good. And they just, it's super easy for them to get onto yeah. it. I hated it for the first you know, six to eight months of me getting really serious about working out, I was constantly angry and annoyed at myself because, you know, I wasn't as strong as I thought I should have been, or I was just tired. I had to still, you know, have a job and pay for bills and stuff. <laughs> uh-huh. I couldn't just focus all my energy on it. So yeah. it was just another thing on my to-do list. But I hated where I was so much that I absolutely just could not stay there. Yeah. And I knew that stopping meant staying there. And after a while, I started getting to the point where I'm like, okay, this isn't actually so bad. I can do this. Now, I'm at the point where it's like, I I got it, bro. Like, if I don't, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If I miss more than two days at the gym, <laughs> I, I'm going to cry. I think I sent you that video, but it was a TikTok of a guy going up to another guy at the gym. He's like, why do you go to the gym? He's like, so I don't kill myself. Yeah, so I don't kill <laughs> oh my myself. God yeah, I'm, no, I'm on that team now. <laughs> it's become such an important part of my life and my identity uh-huh. that... I don't know, I, I would spiral without it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are there are times where, where I feel like human beings 
in general are at their most noble when they are willing to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the that's the real that's that's in my opinion that's the key to life that's the secret of it all is there are things that aren't worth suffering for and there are things that are mm-hmm. and you have to decide for yourself what those things are because far yeah. too often people end up suffering for the things that aren't worth suffering for and they refuse to suffer for the things that they that are worth it yeah because they're already suffering why would they want to suffer more yeah it's like it's like and I think the most important things to suffer for are for like things that are like internally important to you, whether if it's for your family, whether it's for yourself, your career, like things that like are internally important for you. But then you have people that come to you and say, you have to suffer for these things because I told you to. Exactly. And that that's, those are things that I feel like aren't worth suffering for. Yeah. I just want to show you my phone background because it's topical. Oh, not my... Suffer or suffer. Suffer or suffer. No, that's the, that's the option, right? That Those are your choices. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a very good um, a leader or politician because... Don't you say you want to be the overlord of the universe? Well, yeah, that's why what I want requires me being overlord and not like president. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> because okay. here's the thing. You get, as I said, the easiest way to get people to put you into power is to promise them that they do not have to deal with their issues anymore. Mm-hmm. You don't even have to solve their issues. You don't even have to make them not deal with them. You just have to make them think that someone else is working on it. Yeah. Right? It's like you're at, a, you're at work, it's the closing shift, and someone needs to take out the trash, but you really don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your coworker looks at you and says, hey, how about this? How about, you know, give me, give me, give me like five bucks, and then you can just go home, and then I'll do all the closing stuff. Mm-hmm. You're like... Hell yeah, here's five bucks and you out. And then he doesn't do any of the closing stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people still get mad. At, it was like, why wasn't the closing done or whatever? At the end of the day, he still got five bucks from you. Um, but it, you gave him the five bucks for the comfort of feeling like you weren't leaving. I want my money back. <laughs> I want it back. <laughs> no, yeah. And so, is, and that's the problem is this too, when people are already feeling like they've got too much on their plate, all mm-hmm. these problems, all this nonsense... Who's going to be the person they want to go with? The guy who comes up and says, hey, I'm going to take some of that off your plate for you. Yeah. Don't worry about it anymore. Or that someone says, hey, I'm going to teach you how to handle what's on your plate. Yeah. Because one of those inqu- requires work and suffering. Mm-hmm. And as I said, if you're already suffering, who wants to suffer more? Yeah. But the the thing is, is you have to look forward and say, I'm suffering more now so I can mm-hmm. suffer less later. Yeah. And that's what Andrea, that's what Andrea, like her whole speech to the people was like, we like we can't just like give up and like leave we need to stay here and work so that we can have like a better future and she even mentioned she's like in the history books they will talk about woodbury one day and in my head i was like we'll talk about woodbury (laughs) they certainly (laughs) will (laughs) but if 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 rick's the guy at the end he's gonna he's not gonna talk about woodbury (laughs) my clothes better my shoes better (laughs) i'll work (laughs) woodbury ain't (laughs) um because, yeah, I mean, Rick did some questionable things. You know, he killed a few people from Woodbury, but, like, he's the survivor, so he would be considered the hero of the story. But that's a whole other thing. Um, speaking of Rick, I wanted to talk about, <clears throat> and we'll wrap up in a little bit, but I really wanted to talk about how hard it is for him to accept these newcomers. And, like, and like, Herschel before 
had a hard time accepting, like, bringing Rick into the fold and his group into the fold. And Herschel could arguably have, like, an argument against bringing people in because part of Rick's group was Shane. And Shane ah, fucked everything up for them. Shane did, in fact, fuck everything up for them. And now Rick is in this... this. But it led the way for that actor to be the Punisher, so it's even not... <laughs> that, that's true. Oh, man, he's such a good Punisher. I, I rave about John Bernthal every day. Um, anyway, uh, but, like, Shane came in and fucked ah, it up. And Herschel could say... Hey, I let you guys in. I don't have a farm anymore. And but but Herschel pulls Rick aside and is like, first of all, thanks him for everything that Rick did for him. And then he's like, and then he's like, Rick, you're wrong on this. You should let them in and give them a chance. People deserve a chance. He's like, I gave you a chance. You give these people a chance. And um and like Rick right now like can't do it. And it made me think like, how do you decide? like what people to let in and what people to not because half of that group are down for them they're like down like sasha and tyrese they're down to help they're down to even help if there's an, another group that they have to deal with you know uh, but like the other half you heard them talking like they're they're they want to take over the prison because they don't want to like go out on their own they don't want to be kicked out yeah and and like rick is making a gamble he he could let them all in and like and have Tyrese and Sasha, who are really good people, but by letting Tyrese and Sasha in, he's letting two other people that suck. Right? Yeah. And it's like, how do you decide who to let in and who to not? Like, I mean, I've had I've had experiences in the past where, like, I was friends with someone, and then later on, I, I learned that, like, they were not good people to be friends with, but how could I have known that? How could I have, like, known not to trust them before? Um, and it's such a it's such an interesting thing, because, like, it's such a give and take of like who who do you trust and by trusting them who do you also have to trust as well that aren't going to do good things for you true um that one's a doozy yeah. <laughs> yeah in my mind there you can't think of the question of what's going to be better to do because yeah. you just can't know yeah you never can know and i think you know this is true for any situation if you're you know, we're talking large scale if we want to talk immigration policies or if we're talking small scale like, hey, I'm starting to talk to this person and I may be interested romantically, but I'm nervous about what starting a relationship yeah. with them could mean, right? Yeah. Are they a good person? Are they going to treat me right in the long yeah. run? You can't know. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I would say ultimately I fall on Herschel's team with the, you can't know, so you got to try. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate because... It's there's there a lot of people like to say whenever whenever there's a situation where people like just you know you, you miss all the shots you don't take or whatever there's this promise that's never explicitly made but it's subtext of like if you try it'll work out you yeah. just got to try or a leap of faith right yeah where it's like take a leap of faith every leap of faith that we see in like media works out well for yeah. the person yeah that's not how it actually goes no. you might take a leap of faith and land straight on your face man yeah. <laughs> and. That's unfortunate because part of making the leap of faith is accepting the fact that you could be wrong. Yeah. Um, and that things might go badly. Mm -hmm. And things might go catastrophically badly. And the stakes are only increased a hundredfold for Rick mm -hmm. and his group because this is their survival yeah. on hand. This isn't just, do I let this friend come to the party? He might scare the hose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he might scare the hose. <laughs> or do I let these people in who might you know, do a coup and kill me uh -huh. and take over, <laughs> right? And in that case, you know, the more conservative answer is like, of course the fuck not, I'm not taking any chances. Yeah. Um, and, that, and it's not that that's a bad thing to do because ultimately it comes down to what you care about more. 
-hmm. your principles or your status. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of times where, where it makes sense. And I think that's what, you know, people have to ask themselves whenever they're confronted with a situation is like, principles or status. If I make this decision, could it lead to such a catastrophic, you know, event that I lose everything that I care about? Mm -hmm. But is that worth it if it means I get to keep my principles? And yeah. in, in my mind, at least how I have learned to operate in this world and in this life is the only thing that you truly have is your principles, is yourself, is who you say you are. Mm -hmm. Everything else can be taken from you. But who you, how you comport yourself, how you act throughout this world and this life, that's up to you. Mm -hmm. And it's the one of the few things that is actually only ever up to you. And so if you're in a situation where, you know, you believe that, like, people are worth a chance, like yep. Herschel believes, Herschel... Of course, as you said, Herschel had an argument to say, Rick, hell no, look what happened when I let you in. Yeah. But despite that, he said, no, let yeah. him in. And that shows principle, and that's part of what makes him such a great character. Mm -hmm. Because he is the hope. He is, in light of all of this destruction, he is, in my opinion, if we were talking about the, you know, if the governor is stuck in the past, and Rick and Daryl are trying to adjust to the present, mm -hmm. he is the future. Because he is proof that no matter how hard shit gets, how bad things are, we always have the choice to be good people. Yeah. And at least in my mind, I would, if I had to die in order to know that I did stay in line with my principles, then that's worth it. Yeah. Damn. That's deep as hell. Uh, you know me. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> I be thinking um, about stuff. <laughs> I've been dissociating. No, it's it's more just that it's been something that's been on my mind mm -hmm. fairly recently. Just in real life, why'd it do that? Because <laughs> he's got a haunted drawer. Everybody, no, I, don't, I don't have a haunted drawer. It's Keep it's going. It's kind of haunted, my guy. Bro, it, okay, it's just heavy. <laughs> it's just heavy. You hear the con? Would you believe what he just said? <laughs> it's a heavy drawer, and if you kick hear it, the tone of his up. voice, he is covering for a ghost right <laughs> no, now. I'm not, I'm not. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, what I was saying is, is um, when I first came in, Zach asked me how things have been going, and I responded with a, <sighs> <laughs> and it's because things haven't. They've, there's been a lot of turmoil, and sometimes it gets really difficult. Especially, you know, it's just you get older there's more and more you start feeling a little bit more alone in this world mm -hmm. and it's very easy to succumb to negative emotions mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of situations it's easier to just be like i'm just gonna be angry and bitter about it even though that's not a good thing to be it feels like at least it's something yeah but you still have to go no i'm i'm still gonna try to be good and nice and kind and honest with the people around me, even if the world around me isn't good, nice, kind, and honest. Yeah. Because hopefully me doing that will inspire someone else to do that. Yeah. And they will inspire more people to do that. And then maybe we can live in a future where the universe is kind and honest. Yeah. But that's another situation of, it's both a leap of faith and a suffering situation. It's, it hurts to, try to give honesty and, and truth and kindness to those around you when they don't 
appreciate it. Mm -hmm. We've all been in situations where we've tried really hard for someone where we've, you know, wanted to be a good friend or a good uh, partner romantically Mm -hmm. or even a good parent or a good son or whatever. We've all had relationships where we really wanted to try to be good to them. And we did try and we got nothing in return. Yeah. And it's so easy for when that happens to say, I'm never doing that again because it's, it's, it's not worth it. And the thing with that is, is that it might not be. That's where that leap of faith thing comes in. It's only a leap of faith because you could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong about being a good person, making the world a better place. But I also could be right about it. Yeah. And if I can be right about it, if that's an option, if that's a possibility, then that's something worth suffering for. Yeah. Damn. Speaking of going through a rough time, Glenn's going through a rough time. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, he got laid, though, earlier in the season, right? Sure. Like, that's something. A win's a win, my boy. A win's a win. A win's a win. Don't let nobody tell you that's a win. But the person he slept with almost got raped okay. by this awful guy. Yeah. And and you see him, like, pull the walker out of the car and just bash his head in yeah. over and over, and everyone's like, hey, Glenn, you good? <laughs> you good, G? Do I look like I'm good? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, I just, and, like, Glenn and Maggie's relationship is so fascinating to me just because, like, they, um, they're such different kinds of people, but they're so strong with each other, you know? And, like, I just, I just feel Glenn's pain, like, because I, I do, I'd be doing the same thing <sighs> if that happened to Alina, you know? I'd be freaking going off the deep end, um, and, like, and it's, like, honestly, like, scaring Maggie away but, like, I don't think there's any, like, changing how he feels about it, you know? Or, like, about how she feels about it. But, yeah, I, it, just, it just made me think of, like, man, Glenn is being, he's not in a good spot right now, and neither are we, baby. To be fair, to be fair <laughs> you know, how, how good of a spot can you expect to do to be in, yeah, all yeah, things yeah. considered? You can't expect anyone in that show to be in a good place mentally. Mm-hmm. If someone came along... I mean, Rick is not in, like, he saw Lori and... Yeah, no, like, Lori. listen, if I was in The Walking Dead... And I met someone who's like, "Howdy, neighbor. How are y'all doing on this fine day?" Yeah, I'd be like, and "That's the governor." I'd be like, <laughs> "Kill like... that dude right now." <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but no, absolutely uh-huh. not. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting. The whole idea of like love amongst the apocalypse uh, is—it's an interesting idea because on one hand, uh, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Like, the—I remember their relationship started like they go—they're on a—they're looking for supplies, <laughs> yeah. and they. Uh, they're looking for like pills or something and he grabs condoms yeah and he grabs condoms and she's like what are those for and he didn't realize what he grabbed and he just like ah <laughs> and she's like I'll sleep with you yeah and she's like alright well then and he's like it. wait what and he's like oh we do it my boy <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, besides no a win's a win a win's a win right no it seems like a frivolous thing to be doing right uh-huh. with everything going to <laughs> with all the uh, you know is how 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 you know much of a mood can you set when you're trying to get it on when zombies are in the room next to you or for whatever? For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, it seems like a frivolous, dumb thing to be doing. Like, it seems downright irresponsible. Yeah. It's like, really, right now? Especially with um, Lori and her baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's like, no one wants to be taking care of a baby right now, yeah. right? Uh, but, you know, baby's already there. And so them putting themselves in a situation where it's like, hey, man, you're going to maybe make like a second baby in the apocalypse? Like, yeah. this is no circumstances to be playing with those odds. Um, but <laughs> He's they... got the condoms, though. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, but <laughs> listen, uh, ladies and gentlemen, condoms aren't always effective, and uh, birth control is way harder to get in the zombie apocalypse. So just be aware of that. Um, do you think Glenn's pullout game is strong? No. What do you mean, no? You <laughs> nerd, bro. At the start of the series, your pullout game is strong. <laughs> no, bro. <laughs> <laughs> with the amount of how surprised and like like excited Glenn got over the prospect of having sex with Maggie, there's no way that dude was about to about to splooge and thought to himself, "All right, uh, I should pull out now." Just this is this is the smartest words I've No, man, he was too busy thinking, "I'm getting laid." Woohoo! Yeah. There's no way his pull out game is good, bro. I, on God, on God. <laughs> Damn. Anyways, um, so with that, it seems it seems like an irresponsible thing to be doing. But at the end of the day, it's one of the things that makes us very human. Like, what a human mm. thing to do! What a silly, dumb human yeah. thing to do! Because the the apocalypse, everything's so stressful, everything's so unsure and uncertain. The only thing that you can take companionship is in is is the people you're around with. Um, as Shane and Rick's wife <laughs> mm-hmm. also had that happen. I mean, she thought he was dead, but, you know. Yeah. Same idea. And it's it's unfortunate because there a part of me wants to be like, that's dumb. They shouldn't be doing that. But mm-hmm. the other part of me is like, I know exactly why they're doing that. Yeah. Because as I said, when things get really hard, we default on the things that we know and take the most comfort in. Yeah. And... As much as, you know, it's got very mucky and weird vibes about it in modern culture, not even just modern, all culture in society, sex is an inherent part of human existence. It is literally required. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they would find that um, connection is important, I think, because even though, yeah, Glenn goes off of the deep end because he gets so attached to Maggie, Maggie has now become something worth suffering for. Yeah. And yeah. that is what you need in an apocalypse. And Herschel apocalypse. called Glenn his son in this episode. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's what you need. That's what you need to survive all of those horrible conditions. Mm-hmm. Something worth it. Yeah. And I yeah. think that in that instance, they both found something that was worth it. And yeah. overall, it was a good thing, even though on the surface it might seem like an irresponsible thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good note to end on. Um, alright, well thank you guys for listening. We'll be right back after a musical interlude with The Moral Dilemma. are back all right quentin here's your moral dilemma all right at what point does humanity need to get to where there's a point of no return for humanity like it's just it's just done it should just be done like humanity's over like the the mass like extinction the more, like morally and as well as like physically like what like at what point do you think humanity is over in terms of like how we treat each other as a species i think i think more of a morality basis like at what point do you think like 
Like we, we as we're a not... human society are not the same and like we can never go back to like what we were before on a morality basis. I don't think I think the answer to that question is is we all we're constantly reaching that point. Mm. We never can go backwards. Mm. That's just not how the universe works. And I think that the desire to go backwards is an illusion mm. because you know you even have people being like ah oh, back in the good old days like like i think a lot of us today be like man you remember like 2012 like how how things Bro. were all just chill and fine there 2016 was the year <laughs> or 2016 i'd like to remind everyone that in 2012 because of some random mayan calendar we thought the world was going to end uh-huh and in 2016, they shot a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Which, for whatever reason, I've identified as the, the point. That <laughs> Everyone's was identified as Yeah, I was like, I don't know what it was about Harambe, bro, but <laughs> he was the linchpin holding yeah. us on the main timeline, and his death switched <laughs> us over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I think that morally, human beings have always been moving forward, never mm. being the same. I think that the question there is, at what point have we reached are most just mm. at what what does our society look like when things are at the at an equilibrium that things are manageable because mm. you'll have a lot of people that will argue that that time is coming past already mm. that um i've seen people on internet forums being like ah humans were only supposed to like live in like tribes of like 60 people and just hunt and gather around there mm -hmm. and i mean there's even some anthropological evidence with like the fall of rome one of the biggest predictors of an empire falling is that it just gets too big mm. um and so in that sense you could argue that like we've already gone kind of past that point we have now got the biggest human civilization in the universe i'm not talking about america i'm talking about the world the world we yeah. are all connected yeah. We all trade with each other, we all export with each other. You can go to any other country, you can learn any other language. Like, if you really want to be somewhere else on the planet, it has never been easier to do that. Yeah. Um, and so that also, of course, begs the question that if an empire falls apart, the bigger it gets. And we've got the biggest <laughs> empire we've ever managed to maintain right now. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, there's an argument there that, like, eh, it's going to fall apart. Yeah. But there is also my belief that we have yet to see that time come. Because every time we do this, every time we get together and form a nation or a country or a kingdom or whatever you want to call it, and then that thing inevitably falls or breaks apart or changes in some way that makes it absolutely unfamiliar to what it started as. You know, you go from the Romans worshipping Jupiter and practicing Saturnalia to the Holy Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. It was all about Jesus and stuff. We learned something. Or at least I like to think that we learn something each time. Mm. And whenever we go into the next thing, we make it a little bit farther than we did before. Yeah. And so, sure, we might be alive to see the fall of an empire, but I don't believe that the fall of the empire is the end. Mm. Damn. Back at it again with the D. <laughs> you know me. Now let's go back to talking about my pull-out. <laughs> uh, Non-existent. If there's any attractive women listening to this podcast, uh, if you would like to help me practice my pull-out. <laughs> Hold on. Let me look at the statistics. I'm sure there's no attractive women besides my wife that listens to this podcast. I, I've been told I'm, I'm fairly attractive, if that helps. Um... That doesn't help them at all. I know it doesn't, okay. man. I'm, I'm out here. I'm living Bro, let me, let me show you this. Okay, audience. Um, age 23 to 27, 
gender. I'm 75% male audience, 25% female audience. Okay, you 25%. <laughs> Damn. Just, just putting it out there. Okay, we're done. We're done. No, tell them, tell them to bring me back. Bro, bro. All right, I appreciate you being on here. <laughs> yeah, just gonna, like, you know, I'm you're gonna just, gonna my number is 801. You're going to make it 100% male. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Uh, don't worry, I won't bring him back. Uh... <laughs> No, just kidding. I might. <laughs> I might. I might. I might. You know. Faces. You know. No, I'll, 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 I'll bring. I'll bring Q back, uh, and he can talk about his pull-out game. <laughs> but anyway, thanks for being on, Q. Of course, really thank you for having it. me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, and all right, we'll see you guys next time. Stay safe and stay sane. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Feed Don't Your Brain. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Feed Don't Your Brain. You can also follow us on Twitter at Zachy the Zombie. Also, feel free to email us with any questions, comments, or concerns at feeddon'twayourbrain at gmail.com. You can also follow Fortune Horseman on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can donate to our Patreon page called Feed Don't Your Brain on Patreon. Thank you all for listening, and stay safe and stay sane.